be reading from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. You can find that on page 1668 of the Red Bibles. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth across his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Let me pray and then we will have a look at John 11. Loving Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit with us. We thank you for this book of John's gospel, this record of Jesus' life, written that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. We pray that that would be our experience today and in the coming weeks as we dip into these chapters in the middle of John's gospel. Would you open our eyes more fully to see who Jesus is and what he's accomplished? Would you strengthen our faith in him? that we would be those who believe and have life in his name. Amen. There's a simple outline for the talk on the screen, so you know where we're going. A long passage. It's already 10 past 11. Uh, I'm going to try and be brief. Words for a funeral. Let me read you um, verse 25 again from John 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I wonder if those words are familiar to you. Uh, Whether they are or not depends probably on how old you are and how many funerals you've been to or at least how many church funerals you've been to, because these words are right up front in the Anglican funeral service, and I guess other um, denominations have similar services. Almost the first thing you hear at the beginning of the funeral service is the minister saying these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
We hear those words this morning, and it's a nice sunny-ish autumn morning, and they're nice-sounding words, aren't they? There's a nice cadence to them, uplifting ideas. It's quite different when you hear those words at a funeral. And as you hear them, you find yourself asking the minister, do you really believe what you're saying? Do, do you mean what you seem to be saying? Because I want to know if you're serious. Because the person in that coffin is my friend. It's different when you hear these words at the bedside of a dying relative. Uh, 20 years ago, Corinne's grandpa died. And Corinne and I visited him in hospital uh, just a few hours before his death. We had been warned that he was going in and out of consciousness, that he may not be able to engage with us very much, but he was incredibly present and lucid during the brief time that we spent with him. Um, Norman had shown no signs of faith in Jesus. He was a committed agnostic. As we sat there and spoke to him, I relayed a bit of this story from John 11, and I read these words of Jesus to him. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I said, Jesus is the one who can get you through death. And I asked Norman the question that Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? And he responded by saying that he would like to believe it was true. And we don't know what happened in those last few hours of Norman's life. We'll find out in eternity. These are words for a funeral. These are words spoken in the face of death and in the midst of grief. And however far off death may seem to us, it's worth remembering how fragile our lives are. And I reckon there's lots of reminders of that at the moment. On Wednesday, it was Ash Wednesday, and we didn't have a service, but it's traditional at that service to, to mark people's heads with, with ash, and the words spoken are, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. A reminder of our mortality. We've heard news over the weekend of Shane Warne's death, uh, very young, 52. That's only eight years off from where I am. Uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. COVID-19 has claimed the lives of millions around the world. We may not feel that's a particular threat, but it's there, and there are many other diseases and disasters that could affect us. I don't know if you felt the earthquake this morning. Um, it was very minor. If you didn't, don't worry. Um, but it's a reminder that we live in a broken world and uh, the fragility of life. That may not be a particular threat here, but there are floods affecting thousands of people elsewhere in this country that we live in. And there's war in Europe, a devastating war claiming the lives of more and more people. This is the world we live in, friends, a world over which the shadow of death hangs. And this is the world into which Jesus spoke these words. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this?
We're going to look at uh, a profound statement, that statement that I've repeated a few times, a powerful sign that we see in the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and a challenging question, do you believe it? So a profound statement. Let me set the scene. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, we're told at the beginning, was sick in the town of Bethany. Jesus hears at the news, but then delays his journey to Bethany. When he gets there, Lazarus has already died. He's been dead. He's been in the tomb four days. And as you find around anyone's death, there's grief, sadness, anger. They're the if-onlys that people are. So have a look again at verse 32. We see in Mary and her interactions with Jesus uh, these features of grief. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now that's quite a weak translation. That, that word troubled really means indignant, angry. It's, it's the word used for a horse snorting in rage. Jesus is angered as he sees the devastating effects of death and the grief uh, that's affected Mary and uh, the others around her. Even though he knows what he's about to do, he is moved deeply by this tragic human situation. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in the Bible tells us Jesus wept. I was talking with Din on Monday, and we're talking about how Christianity is different to other religions, different to Buddhism. In Christianity, you have a God who, who feels deeply, who is moved, who, who cares, who enters into our human situation, who's not far off and aloof. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Grief, anger, if only sadness. The interaction with Martha is, is somewhat different. She says the same thing, verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. This is Jewish belief that at the end of time, all people will be raised from the dead, a final resurrection. But Jesus' response makes it personal. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying the resurrection takes place through me, in me. I am the one with resurrection power. I am the one who gives life. I am the one who can conquer death. And there are two parts to Jesus' statements, this profound statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. This is a claim that there is life beyond death, that Jesus will raise our bodies from the dead, that even though a person dies, they will live again, that Jesus is the resurrection the one with power to raise people from the dead, to raise our bodies, to live in a physical new creation. We'll live even though we die. 
But the second part, he says, I am not just the resurrection, I am the life. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That seems to be a contradiction, doesn't it? Because he's just said, even though they die. But what he's talking about, I think, in this second statement is eternal life, spiritual life, life in relationship with God. So a bit later in John, in chapter 17, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Let me read it to you, so I quote it correctly. John 17, I think it's verse 3. Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus defines eternal life as knowing the Father and knowing the Son, having relationship with God. And so Jesus is saying, I think here in John 11, that this eternal life, this relationship with God is uninterrupted even by the death of our bodies. That as Paul says in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death. That as Jesus said in the previous chapter, he is the good shepherd who is with us in death and will carry us through death. Our relationship with him will, will not be affected by the death of our bodies. We'll never die. That eternal life will continue through this life and through death and on into eternity. We'll close our eyes in death, but we'll open them immediately to the face of our Savior. A profound statement. Secondly, a powerful sign. You know, we say, don't we, words are cheap. And maybe at a funeral, you, you hear some cheap words, well-intentioned, but often platitudes. Are Jesus' words just platitudes, nice-sounding words to give some comfort to people in the midst of grief? Well, no, they're not just words because he backs them up with a powerful sign. We've seen this throughout John so far. Jesus says a number of profound things about himself. They're called the I am sayings, and they're accompanied by powerful signs. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then he feeds 5,000 people with a, a boy's lunch. He is the one who can satisfy us, the bread of life. And he backs it up with a powerful sign. He says in John 9, I am the light of the world. I'm the one who can bring revelation and understanding. And then he opens the eyes of a man born blind. Jesus doesn't just give words. He backs them up with powerful signs. And so here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then verse 38, at the tomb of this dead man, Lazarus, he says, take away the stone. And then he calls out, Lazarus, come out. He speaks to this man who's been dead for four days. And astonishingly, Lazarus walks out of the tomb, out of the grave, still wrapped in his grave clothes. Uh, it, 
it's kind of mind-boggling to, to think of it. He's been dead four days. Martha points out there'll be an odor. The body's begun to decompose and decay. And yet Jesus has such authority and power. He can speak to this dead man and bring him back. In our family, we're working through a catechism a bit different to the one we're doing here on Sundays. But just yesterday, we were reading a bit from Romans 5 that talks about the reign of death in this world. That through Adam, sin has entered the world, and through sin, death, and death has reigned. But here we see in John 11, in the coming of Jesus, that reign of death is broken. Jesus is the one who can reverse death. Jesus is the one who has power over the grave. Jesus is the one who can give life. And he gives proof of his ability by raising Lazarus. It's, it's a sign both of his ability to raise us bodily and of his ability to give eternal life here and now. As Jesus' word brought Lazarus from death to life, so Jesus' word today can bring the spiritually dead to life. As people hear and believe the gospel, they're born again. They receive new life into relationship with God. The old hymn, And Can It Be, one of the verses says, He, that's Jesus, he speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. There's great power in the words of Jesus. It's the power of God for salvation. A profound statement, a powerful sign. Thirdly, finally, a challenging question. Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? Throughout this passage, Jesus shows a remarkable concern for people to believe you could say he is more concerned about people's belief than people's grief. He's more concerned about people's belief than people's grief. Now, that doesn't mean he's unconcerned about people's grief. We've seen that already. How he wept with Mary, the indignation that he felt. But he's so committed to helping people to believe. Just let me walk you through at the passage. Have a look again at verse 5 or verse 4 even. When Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That is strange, is it not? It's not when Jesus heard that Lazarus would, no, it's not um, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so he went as quickly as possible to the graveside. It's not even um, when he heard that or Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus and when he heard, it's, it's so. It's because he loved them that he stayed. That seems odd, doesn't it? That he wouldn't go as quickly as possible to his sick friend's. But I think it's explained uh, both in what he says in verse 4 and what he goes on to say to the disciples. So have a look at verse 11. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples, 
don't really understand. Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. His disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he makes it plain. Verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. There's a sense in which Although Jesus enters into the grief of Lazarus' death, he's glad that he wasn't there to save him from death so that the disciples may believe. Have a look again at verse 41. At the, t- at the graveside, they took away the stone... Jesus looked up and prayed, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Throughout the passage, I hope you can see, I haven't explained that very well, but Jesus has this concern for people to believe, and his actions and the things that he says are for the purpose that people might believe. What he does, what he says, is so that people might believe that the Son, that God's Son may be glorified through this miracle. Now, most of the people in the passage are people who already believe. We see that in Martha's statement. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who's come into the world. But there are people who are struggling to believe in the face of death and grief. So despite Martha's statement of faith, when Jesus pushes it and says, take away the stone, she's pretty hesitant. Lord, um, are you sure? He's been in the tomb four days. There's going to be an odor. She believes, but in the face of death and in the midst of grief, she's struggling to believe. That's encouraging for us, isn't it? It's encouraging as you read through the Gospels that the first followers of Jesus aren't presented as super Christians who just take faith in their strides. No, they, they struggle to understand and they struggle to believe. It's worth asking yourself these sorts of questions. Worth asking myself, do, do I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? Yeah. Do I believe he can see me through death safely, that he has power over death? Yes. Will I be scared if I got a call from the doctor saying I had three weeks to live? Yeah. Would I still believe that Jesus can raise me and see me safely through death? Yeah, kind of. Jesus is passionately committed to helping people believe, helping people come to faith and helping strengthen our faith. And the way that he does that is by not just speaking words of truth, but through these powerful signs, by raising Lazarus from the dead. That was a great help to the people who were there at the time. We see that in verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But it's a help for us today as well, isn't it? This um, 
idea of belief and faith is quite different to Richard Dawkins' definition of faith, the, the famous atheist. He's quoted as saying, faith, religious faith, is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith, according to Richard Dawkins, is belief in spite of, even, per, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. That's not what you see in John 11, is it? People don't believe this, you know, in, in spite of the lack of evidence. They believe on the basis of the evidence, on the basis of this powerful sign that Jesus performs. And this is the very purpose for which John wrote his book. Maybe turn over in your Bibles, if you've got them open, to John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. Near the end of his book, John spells out the purpose for which he's written it. John 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These are written. This eyewitness record of what Jesus said and did, it's been written so that you and I they believe. Not faith without evidence, but faith where the evidence points. They saw and believed. We can't see with our own eyes the things that Jesus said, but we can read what John and the other gospel writers have written. We can read about what they saw, eyewitness accounts, and so we can believe. Our faith can be strengthened. And so if you're the struggling, struggling kind of Christian, if you're someone who's wondering if you can believe in Jesus, if you're someone who finds it hard to keep believing in the face of life's trials, then look at the miracles in John's gospel. Look at the eyewitness evidence. Look at the way that they happened in history. Did, did you spot the historical markers in John 11? It wasn't a story about something that happened somewhere unnamed with some people. No, it's Lazarus in Bethany. He's the brother of Mary and Martha, and there were people there who saw it and can testify to what happened. And if you want to check it out, you could go to Bethany and ask the people there. Look at the way, uh, look at what these signs tell you about Jesus, the I am sayings that go with them. And consider that the power and the truth and the glory of the one who can do these things. And let that strengthen your faith. And so if you get the phone call from the doctor or, or the news that your loved one has passed, read John 11. Remember what happened in the village of Bethany in the first century. Remember how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die, 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Can I trust him? Can I put my life in his hands? Use the signs to strengthen your faith. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this record of what happened all those years ago in the village of Bethany. We thank you for your profound statement. And we thank you that it's not just empty words, but words backed up with a powerful sign. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. That you are the one who has power over death, the one with resurrection power, the one who can give us life here and now in relationship with you, and the one who can see us safely through death to life beyond the grave. Thank you that you know about our struggles to believe. Thank you that you don't write us off in our struggles, but you are passionately committed to helping us to strengthen our faith. And so we pray for your help now, that we would be people who believe what you say, who do put our life in your hands, who live with sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. In your name we pray. Amen.